I want to welcome all of you one more time. Uh, my name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the uh, ministers here at Discover. And uh, if you're a guest, we have, after the service, if you would take literally just one minute, um, we have a gift we'd like to give you and just tell you more about the church and hear a little bit more about your story. So that's right out here in the main lobby. New York Yankee broadcaster Phil Rizzuto told manager Joe Torre that uh, he might want to oversee the team from up in the broadcast booth because you could really see a different view of the field from there. And Tori said, you know, I don't think that's what I want to do because when you're way up there, you can't look the team in the eye. Well, Jesus, God in the flesh, allows us to look God right in the eye. And because of that, we understand who God is in a deeper way. And we also understand who we are. Earlier we heard Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. And tomorrow morning we're going to look at Luke's account of Jesus' birth. Tonight we're going to use a passage from a letter that a man named Paul, a follower of Jesus, wrote to another follower of Jesus named Titus. It's not a normal text, if you will, for Christmas Eve or the Christmas season, but maybe it should be. Here's what it says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Two key words here, grace and salvation. Grace is when we get something much better than we deserve. Salvation is when we are rescued from an eternity without God. We cannot do anything to earn either grace or salvation. And so, God gives them to us. In his book, Grace Awakening, Charles Swindoll says this, If our greatest need had been information... God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us the scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. We need grace and salvation, and so God sends them. Really, God brings them with him as he comes to earth. And then Paul goes on in this letter to Titus. He tells us how that changes us for good. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Wow, there's so much in there, but I just want to focus for a minute on the word redeem. It's a word you hear a lot in church, not too much outside of that. What does redeem mean? It has two basic meanings, and God fulfills both of them. First, it means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Well, what's that talking about? 
It's talking about my debt and your debt. Wait, you mean God is going to pay off my mortgage and my, my car payment and my student loans and my credit card debt? Man, this is the best Christmas ever. Well, listen, I'm, I'm confident that as you follow God's uh, plan to live simply and generously, that he will provide everything you need to take care of any debt you may have. Well, any debt but one. Because there's one debt that all of us owe and none of us can pay. See, all the wrong things that we've done against God and against the people in our lives, those have to be paid for. But the problem is that the only person who can pay for them is someone who's never done anything wrong in the first place. See, sometimes we think if we're just good enough, then that will be just good enough. You know, if the good outweighs the bad, then we're in. It's not that way. This time of year, we are more generous individually, as a church. For example, our church each month gives a few hundred dollars to somebody in the community um, just who has a need. And we call that Discover One. And at Christmas time, we, we put Discover One on steroids, and we call it Discover 100. And uh, this year, we're giving out $6,000 in cash to people in our community. It's happening right now. And in the next few weeks, we're going to share some of the anonymous stories of, of just what God did through that. And in addition, you know, we, we give hundreds of gifts to children in our area and to the Christian Children's Home of Ohio and Worcester. And we bring in supplies for our, our missionary partners throughout the world. And that's good. And thank you if you've been involved in that. Those are good things. But two things to understand about that. First of all, none of that is done to broadcast to Discover Christian Churches or to give us a good name. All of that is done so that people will see that God is good and that he loves them. And second, no matter how much we give, no matter how generous we are, it does nothing to earn any of that grace or salvation that we need. See, we still have a serious problem. Our, our debt has to be paid for, but none of us can pay for it. <laughs> well, that stinks. How's that going to work out? It works out when someone else pays for our debt. Someone perfect. On the cross, Jesus took the weight of everything every person has ever done against God or other people. It was unbearable, but he bore it. It was unmanageable, but he managed it. It was overpowering, but Jesus overpowered it. And this... <laughs> This is good news. This is very good news. 
So a question, who is this good news for? Well, verse 11 that we already read tells us. It's for all people. Not just a few people. Not some people. Not everyone except the people that you or I have defined as the people who are not worthy. This good news, this salvation is available for all people. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, says that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not spend eternity separated from God in eternal death, but they will spend eternity with God in heaven in eternal life. Jesus literally exchanged his life for ours. And that's one very important definition of the word redeem. But God also covers the second definition of this word, which is this, to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something. 2,000 years ago, people waited for Messiah, for Jesus to come for the first time. And today, we wait for him to come again. But until then, Paul says we're supposed to say no to worldly passions, to be self-controlled, upright, and live godly lives, always eager to do what is good. Well, that sounds nice, especially during Christmas season. You know, peace on earth, goodwill to men, and all that stuff, right? But what about December 26th and beyond? No matter how hard I try, I am not always self-controlled, upright, godly, and eager to do what's good. I mean, just my reaction to the way some people drive on Sawmill Road usually disqualifies me. See, the problem is we're supposed to be godly and upright and, and eager to do what is good and avoid worldly passions all the time. But again, this is something we can't do. Boy, isn't this a great Christmas message, you know? It just makes us feel so good. Man, you're, you're, I'm feeling guilty. Thanks a lot, Mr. Steve. Wonderful. This isn't about feeling guilty. It's about recognizing our reality, knowing we can't fix it, and encountering the only solution there is. See, God knows we cannot produce goodness in our own strength. But God can produce goodness in our lives, absolutely. It's interesting, the root word, root word for good is, is connected to the root word for God. And see, that's the answer. Not our goodness, but God's godness. At Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, and that's a great thing. But every day, we should celebrate the fact that people who follow Jesus not only have God with us, we have God in us. The Holy Spirit lives in our lives. 
And if you're like me, you think that sounds kind of mysterious. Well, it is. It's hard to explain, but the results can be clearly seen. Each day, little by little, God transforms the life of a follower of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit puts away our personal selfish agendas and produces an agenda of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in us. God's grace came to us, Jesus, and brings salvation. And the Holy Spirit enables us to live godly lives. And that's what Christmas is all about. The night Jesus was born, angels burst into the sky, announced the good news, and shouted praise to God. The city of Bethlehem was overcrowded, noisy, and full of people experiencing stress and packed schedules. And God entered into all of that busyness and chaos and brought peace, calm, and clarity. And God wants to do that in your life each day. If renewal and purpose and hope and peace sound good to you, then connect with God on a daily basis. We'd love to talk with you more about what that looks like at any time, even tonight. And we invite you to join us in January when we're going to discover renewed life through God. We're going to look at focus and health and worry, confidence, and a sustainable life. But we're not doing that with pop psychology. We're doing that with the book of Philippians, which is another letter that Paul wrote. So tonight, let's celebrate God's grace, God's salvation, his peace and chaos, a renewed life because of the Holy Spirit, and remember, the light of the world, Jesus, came to us. And we too should share that light with others. Right now we ask that you would stand. And we're going to sing Silent Night. And the Finney family is going to come and they'll begin to light candles from the center candle here, which represents Jesus. And then they'll pass it through the aisles and celebrate and remember, share the light of Jesus.